Amen, amen. Pastor Jim asked me to speak on stewardship, so if you are visiting here today, congratulations, you get to be here for the money talk. Yeah, now, now, now Pastor Jim's pretty easy on you. When I pastored, I talked about money almost every Sunday because it's that important to people. But before I even start my message, you know, I, we, Derek just gave us a report, and you know, I, you know, my brain is going everywhere. Um, most of y'all know uh, I'm part of this church because I really believe in what this church is doing. I pastored seven United Methodist churches, and I never got a finance report like he just gave. Never that y'all are going to hit budget. You may even, you may more than break, you may have a surplus at the end. Now, just a minute. United Methodist Church, surplus? I didn't know those went in the same sentence. I truly didn't. So before I uh, start my message, there are two things that I found that were helpful where I've served before, and I, I just kind of want to throw them out there uh, before, before I start. Number one, some of you are at the age where you start getting required minimum distributions. If you're not old enough to know what that is, good. Some you will find out. But what I found is that uh, and, and check with your accountant on this. When you get a required minimum distribution and you have it sent directly to your church as your tithe, you don't pay tax on it. So you can actually give more money to the church because you give less money to the government. Not a bad deal, huh? Okay, that's, that's number one. And number two is to remember the church in your will. Most United Methodists do not do that. And I, let me just be blunt. I'm not your pastor, so I can be really blunt. Your kids getting 10% less, <laughs> they, they're not going to miss it. 10% less, they're not going to miss it. Okay. Let me prepare for the message. Dear Lord, Lord, as your word is proclaimed in your scriptures read, let it go deep into our heart to make a difference in our lives. I said this in the name of your mighty son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's put our scripture up. Um, is it, oh, it's over there. Oh, there it is. Okay. From Malachi 3, 1 through 12, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeing will come to his temple. The message of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like the refiner's fire or the launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have the men who will bring offerings in righteousness. As the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by, as in former years. So I will come to put you on trial. You will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. The, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. 
Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and you have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there will be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your field, will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, I know as that scripture is being read, what's going through your mind? French fries, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're thinking about French fries. Well, my prayer is that after today's message, every time you see a French fry, eat a French fry, or smell a French fry, you will think about this message. And, and I'm starting off with a story. And, you know, I have, I have a great imagination. You know, my name is Jim, and, you know, I, I have a great imagination. So uh, the father in this story, his name is going to be Jim. Yeah, yeah, we'll call him Jim. And he's got a little boy that's about five years old, and his name is, oh, I don't know, Jim, yes, but we call him Jimmy, so there's Jim and Jimmy in the story, <clears throat> and the father had some time with his son that day and wanted to do something special for his son, and he knew that his son loved McDonald's french fries, so he thought, I'm going to take Jimmy to McDonald's and get him some French fries. And so he told Jimmy, let's go. Let's go to McDonald's. Let's get some fries. And Jimmy's eyes got real big. But you have to remember that every time Jimmy had ever got him, it was with a kid's meal. And it's that little bitty, sad-looking little sack with about six French fries in it. That's all Jimmy had ever had before. So, but his mouth was watering. He was so excited to go down there and get those French fries. And dad goes up and orders the biggest French fry they have, the supersize, the whatever. Jimmy had never seen this many French fries before. His mouth is just drooling. His dad lets him carry this monster thing of French fries to the table by himself, and he sits down, and his legs are going because he wants to go. And so his dad says, now, we have to, we have to say grace. And, and so Jimmy's grace went something like, thank you, Lord. And that was it, because he's in a hurry. I mean, this is serious stuff here. There's hot fries right in front of him. And so he starts getting the fries, and he's enjoying himself, and the dad is just delighted. It was a special moment he was spending with his son, and he wanted to share in it. So he reached across the table to get a couple of French fries for himself, and the son does this. These are my fries. Don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some of y'all are like, yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah. And the father's thinking, doesn't he realize 
I'm the one that provided him with these fries? Doesn't he realize I gave him way more fries than he ever asked for or had ever seen before? Doesn't he realize that I'm six foot tall? I could take those fries away from him right now. Doesn't he realize that I've got enough resources I could go buy a table full of fries? But all the dad wanted, all Jim wanted, was to share in this experience with his son. And that's where we are with God so often. Is God provides us with all of this stuff. And all God wants to do is to be in our life and to share in his life. And, ha- and invites us to be part of God's work in redeeming the world. And we build a little wall and say, no, this is mine. This is mine. I worked hard for it. I stayed in school when it was tough. I went to class. I went to work every day. Sometimes I work six days a week. Sometimes I work 12 hours a day. When in, I went when it was pouring down rain. This is mine. I worked for it. Well, they're ignoring the fact that it all comes from God. Now, some of you know what I'm talking about, that oh, I earned it. I, I know I, I'm, I was there. You know, I, I'm, you know, I haven't been an arrogant jerk just during the time you've known me, I go way back being an arrogant jerk. I go, I go way back. And I, I, I said all the time, well, if you don't have what I have because you're not willing to work the way I've worked. But see, I ignored a lot of stuff. I ignored the brains that I didn't choose to not have a something wrong in my brain, you know, something that's a learning disability that stopped me. I didn't, choose, I didn't choose to be born here in the United States. I could have been born in some country that there was no opportunity. I could have born, been born in India where, and of a caste that you can't break out of those circumstances. I could have been born in the middle of the jungle and had no opportunity. I could have been born somewhere where edu- basic education isn't free. I could have been born into a family that didn't encourage me to go to college. It wasn't that they said, oh, yeah, um, actively encouraged. It was just expected. Of course you're going to go to college. Now, I didn't pay attention that my three older brothers didn't, but it was just kind of expected. They couldn't afford to pay anything, but they could let me live at home so I could go to community college. I, 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 I missed all of this. In fact, at one time, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I ignored the fact that all of these things that could have happened to me, and God protected me from those things happening to me. I brought a friend of mine to Christ right at the very end of his life. um, And simply by being there in the hospital room, and I said, Mike, don't you remember the time we did this? And in y'all's lives, think of some of the stupid stuff y'all have done. Especially you guys. If you're about my age, guys, cars, there was a lot of fast driving going on way before we could handle it. And we were protected. God's hands were on us and delivered us through that. It wasn't because anything I did. I 
ignored that. So, so what, what I'm trying to get across to you is that it all comes from God. In fact, repeat after me. It all comes, and you at home too, it all Oh man, y'all did so good on that, that y'all get a bonus scripture today. And it's free. Not charging anything for this. Let's go to the next scripture. It comes from 1 Chronicles 29, 6 through 14. Then the leaders of the family, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave towards the work of the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, uh, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Everyone who had pre precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehel the Gershonite. Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing, willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king had rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as the head over all of it. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our Lord, we give you thanks and praise and praise your precious, your glorious name. See, David was, uh, they were, they were going to build a temple for God. And they asked for um, donations. And they, it started with leadership. It always starts with leadership. So, you know, all of you that accepted a leadership role, <laughs> tag, you're it. <clears throat> you have to lead by example. And that's what these leaders did. They gave huge amounts. It, it, it wasn't this 10% stuff. You know, oh yeah, oh yeah, I've got another free part. I've got another free part over here. I've had people tell me, oh, a pastor, that 10%, that's Old Testament law stuff. Jesus came to set us free from that. And that's true. That's true. But if you look at Jesus' attitude, basically what he said is he said, oh yeah, you don't have to do that 10%. You can do a lot more now. Uh, you don't have to just give 10%. You can give a lot more now. And that's what the people did during this time. They gave generously, and it built the temple of God. Because, see, they all knew it all came from God. And so um, I want us to kind of imagine here for a minute, you know, while, while this church, you know, you know usually... When I have to talk about money, I'm talking to a church that is trying, I'm trying to get them to give enough so we can keep the lights on, and maybe I can get a paycheck most of the time. Well, see, y'all have those bases covered. So since you've got the basics covered, gosh, that puts us in a position to dream what is possible. We're already connected to Reveal. What if this is the church that fully funds Reveal? Reveal. 
to make sure that every person that's in need of food or clothes in this county is taken care of. What, you know, I know there's, uh, there's people here tied to literacy. What if this was the church? Because I was involved in a church that they did this. They found a, a, a church, um, um, I don't know how to say this politically correct. You know, I, I, I didn't grow up in the politically correct world, so I have to be careful. It was a school with disadvantaged kids. I don't know if you can say that anymore, but it was economically depressed school. And so what that church did is they committed that that third grade class that is starting that year will be at grade level by the end of the school year. Because what statistics tell you, and some of you reading people in here know what I'm talking about, if a kid falls behind in reading in the third grade, they can never catch up. And statistics also tell us that economically depressed homes, you go in there, and there's not only no children's books, there's no books. And there's nobody to read to them or listen to them read. And so that church, that grade, just that grade, you know, we weren't a huge church, just that grade was going to be at reading level by the end of that year. And so people volunteered, not two or three, it takes more than two or three, like 30 or 40, volunteered to go up there once a week for an hour and read to a kid and have the kid read to them. And that church made sure that every child in that third grade class had 10 quality educational books in their home. And if a Christian book or two happens to get in there, they're quality education, appropriate grade level reading. What if, what if we did, what if this was the church that if, if one of you or someone in this neighborhood, their house burned down, they knew they could come to this church because they were in crisis, and Pastor Jim could get with Derek, and there would be this pile of money over there that they could help those people through that time of crisis. What if this church was the church that if one of you or people connected to the church somehow lost their job and financially they're in crisis, they know they could come to Pastor Jim, he could get with Derek and the finance people, and they'd have this pile of money over there. Because reality is, if people are giving generously, the churches would have a pile of money. Oh yeah, I got another free thing over here. Got another free thing. Remember God's plan is all of us give 10%. To the, to the church, and the church takes care of widows and orphans, okay? Well, the average evangelical Christian, not normal Christians, but Christians that attend church regularly, give an average of 3% to the church, and then they give 20% or more to the government, and let the government take care of the widows and orphans. Well, how's that working out? Okay, <clears throat> so imagine what could be what could be when we recognize that all of it comes from God? What, what, what if this church had the resources that they had a full-time um, children's person, a full-time youth person, if they had uh, full-time groundskeepers? I know some of y'all that come up here and mow the yard all the time, uh, you, you might like it that a full-time yard person, wouldn't it? Okay. What if they had, I've been in churches, they have a pastor of generosity, and, they, and that pastor is focused on the people being generous and how to distribute the wealth that passes through that church. 
I'm very familiar with the church that's in this general area that 50% of the money that comes in that church goes right out into the community. That gets people excited and they want to be part of that church and they want to um, um, give to that church because they can see that it makes a difference in the community. What if, what if we quit holding on? Because some of you are very good at not building a wall around your resources. Some of you still have some things to learn. I know I do. But imagine what God can do through this church, this vehicle that God has chosen. God has chosen us. So why not? Why can't this be the place? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for being here with us. And as we move to this time of communion, please bless us. I say this in the name of your mighty son, Jesus Christ. Amen.